Welcome to the Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast with image confidence expert, Christy Kennedy. She turned a pink slip into the life of her dreams. Imagine having the confidence to do anything, the boldness to speak up in any setting, and the power to unleash who you were destined to be. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast. I'm super excited to empower you this week. We have a special, I mean a special guest for you all. And as you know what our tradition is, to take out that pen and paper because we're going to drop it like it's hot. We got some jewels for the journey, things that will absolutely transform your life wherever you are on your path to greatness. First, I want to open up and let you know that April is Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month, and we're talking about a sensitive topic on today. And I want to give you a statistic that I found. According to the National Sexual Assault Hotline, every nine minutes, Child Protective Services substantiates or finds evidence for a claim of child sexual abuse. That is absolutely baffling to me. It only takes one voice at the right pitch to start an avalanche by Diane Hardy. Listen, one in nine girls and one in 53 boys under the age of 18 experience sexual abuse or assault at the hands of an adult. 82% of all victims are under 18 years old and they're female. Females ages 16 to 19 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of rape, attempted rape, or sexual assault. This has got to stop. The effects of child abuse can be long-lasting and affect the victim's mental health. Victims are more likely than non-victims to experience the following mental health challenges. About four times more likely to develop symptoms of drug abuse. About four times more likely to experience PTSD as adults. And three times more likely to experience a major depressive episode as adults. Out of every 1,000 sexual assaults, Ladies and gentlemen, 310 are reported to the police. Where are the others? We are no longer suffering in silence. And today we are going to sound the alarm with our guest, Dolores E. Jordan. And for those that don't know, she is the sister of the famous Michael Jordan. And she has a powerful story of how she turned her pain into power. Dolores has a new book out and it's called Please don't jump. And she's going to tell us all about it. So without further ado, welcome, welcome, welcome Dolores to the show. Oh, Christy, thank you so much for having me. I love your energy. I love, uh, I love mm, it. Can we say thank the joy of the Lord is our strength? <laughs> yes, yes. And we could do all things through him who strengthens yes. us, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And your testimony is that it's you have done all these things overcoming by his strength. And so I want you to just share with us the backstory because many of our audience, they don't know your story. Can you give us a glimpse into the pain? Okay. So I am, as you said earlier, I'm Michael Jordan's older sister. Michael's four years younger than me. It's five of us. So I have three brothers and one sister. And so I am the second oldest and I'm the oldest girl. Mm. So, um, my, I have a brother, Larry, that's three years younger than me. Michael's four years younger than me. And then my sister Rosalind is five years younger than me. And then I have an older brother that's two years older than me. So I'm right there. First girl, second oldest. (laughs) Um, and so, and, and, you know, a lot of people don't know me because as my first book was titled in my family shadows, um, 
I was in the shadow. And, and you know, one of the issues with being in the shadow was one of the things why I actually was there was because my story is not a pretty story. Mm-hmm. And as you say, a mm-hmm. lot of people know Michael, but before Michael became Michael that the mm-hmm. world knows, I'd already lived what seemed like a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, because he's yeah. four years younger than me. Okay. So I was a daddy's girl. Um, we lived in the same house, Michael and I, same house, same parents, okay. same, you know, household, but totally different stories. Mm. And, um, and I didn't understand mine. I honestly, I, I thought God made a mistake. I used to say to God, you have all the families in the world. You couldn't think of another family to put me in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it seemed like such a mistake for him to put me in this family where he had put Michael, who was so, you know, talented and mm. phenomenal charismatic, you know, all those things. And I was so broken, you know? And so, but one of the things that, you know, kind of starts my life was that for the first four years, for the first four years, I was with my grandmother. Okay. And so my dad's, my parental uh, grandparents. And then um, when my mom got us all, put us all back together, you know, she, my father was in the air force. My mom was away in school. Um, It was, then came Michael and Larry and, and Rosalind. But at age eight to age 16, I was a daddy's girl in a way that should never be a daddy's girl, you know? And, and here's the thing. I didn't know I was being abused. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked about abuse then. Like mm-hmm. now there's so much information about abuse right. that there are places to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. You do not have to sit in silence. You do not have to take that shame on Mm. As if, you know, as if it's yours, as if you own it or if you deserve it. So when I'm eight, Michael's four. When I tell my mother at age 16, Michael's 12. So the Michael that the world came to know, there was no hint of him. There was no hint of the, you know, public notoriety and stuff. So, but by the time he went in the NBA, I was, you know, he went in the NBA at, in 1984. So I'm 25 at that point. I had been dealing with the residual effect Mm. of abuse Mm. for, you know, you you said, I told my mother at age 16, I told my mother at age 16, she put me, the same day I told her, she put me in front of my father and my father confessed. Mm. 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 Um, But then, then they made a decision that, and my mother said to you're never to mention this. You're never to discuss this mm-hmm. again. Do you understand me? Wow. And my parents were, you know, we were yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. So she, I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to talk about it. So to, um, to imprison a child mm-hmm. with that experience and no outlet, no you know, no outlet. And, and me, I didn't think about God. You know, I didn't think about mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know my, you know, we went to church, but you know, we went to church because that's what people did, yeah. you know. Um, and so I saw my grandma praying, but at the end of the day, I just didn't see God as my answer. So when Michael went in the NBA, I had already tried suicide at that point, you know. Uh, and I, I actually kind of felt like as he was going into the NBA, I was what's wrong the family so if I could not be there it would make it easier for him and you know he's my baby brother Mm. I love him you know and you know you just want to see good things for him Mm. and I didn't think my life 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to handle my life. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, um, the way I did handle it was suicide attempt. Or I would go into depression. Ooh. Or very angry. Yeah. I, well, you know, it's yeah. funny because I would be angry at times and very submissive at times. Okay. You know, angry because I knew I had an internal pain. Submissive because if I don't submit, then I'm going to get rejected. I suicide. Mm. But so you kind of try to fit in and everybody wants to have a family. Yeah. So, absolutely. You know, and so, and I had two children by that time. I got married at 17, divorced at 21, had two children. Hmm. And so I always equated to, cause he like, take the 16 year old and you throw stuff in the closet. The 17, throw stuff in the closet, throw hmm. stuff in the closet. Hmm. Eventually that closet is going to get so full that we're going to have to take stuff out of that closet mm. and start putting stuff where it belongs. Mm. Don't what doesn't matter to you mm. no longer, what you don't need, yeah. and then finding a place for the things that you want to keep. Mm. And, then, and so for me, that's what my first book did, though I didn't intend to write. I did not <laughs> intend to write in my family shadow. And I argued with God about that book because <laughs> I was like, you want me to do what? Mm. You know, as a family, I already think I'm crazy. You want me to do what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so ooh, that was my was Like, you want me to do what? Mm. I can't do that. And, you know, and I was journaling already because I'm in Michael Jordan's family. I can't talk so freely about my pain. And then also the images out there. We're a close-knit family. We're all-American family. We're one of the mm. first Black all-American families that you see. see. And so... um. How do you handle that? And and when I would look at it, I look over at everybody else. Everybody's doing fine. Mm, I'm the only mm. one struggling with it. Mm, mm, I'm mm. the only one struggling. So, mm. and that abuse is so violating, you know. And the thing about it is, if it's physical abuse, we see the scars, and we can say. What happened? We can give empathy and sympathy because we can see those scars. Yeah. But when the scars are not visible, mm. Mm. and people tend to want you to say, if you don't think about it, mm. it'll be okay. Mm. If you don't talk about it, it'll be okay. Right there. And the truth of the matter is, it won't be okay. It won't. It won't. It won't. I've no, it. Yeah. It, and the thing about it is, um, it colors everything you see in your life oh, yes oh yes you see everything mm. through that pain you do yeah and so um so here my brother's in the nba wow. and here i am mm. Mm. and i look over at everybody else and i'm trying to fit in and i you know i'm trying to suppress everything that i know suppress. don't go with the you know don't go with the image i'm trying to suppress mm-hmm. everything i know that the family don't want to deal with. I'm trying to suppress everything I know with the lack of knowledge that I had. Okay. You know, if you don't know no better, mm. you can't be expected to do any better. You're absolutely and so, right. yeah, so it, it was a painful time. And, you know, when I talk now, I'm never talking to discredit my family. That's good. Um, you know, no, I mean, uh, I, I wrote my first book and my family shadow is transparent, Painfully mm. transparent. Mm, mm, mm. What but it was like, it's like um, <clears throat> you have a sword that's not really healing. It's got a scab on it, but it's not really healing. And sometimes you got to, you know, get let all mm. the mucus and all. I hate mm. to be so graphic, but you know, I let all well, that. Yeah, it's real. Out. 
it's real. And and so mm. you gotta go. And sometimes if you got a gunshot, I would I've never been shot, but I'm imagining that they have mm. to go in and clean mm. out that wound. You're right. You know, and so, so or or I always equated my life to um to alcohol anonymous. Okay. Before you can fix your problem, you gotta admit that you have a problem. Gotta admit. Mm, step one. Step one. So um, what God kept saying to me when I was arguing with him about in my family shadow, yeah, I can't do this. He said, you can't heal from something you can't admit. Right there. And so it mm. was mm. taken and, and everybody was coming to me saying, oh, how wonderful it is to be in your family. Oh, your parents are beautiful. Your dad, your dad is a wonderful guy. You know, and mm. yes, I thought I love my dad, but I also know there was the other part to my dad. You know, um, my mom was getting Mother of the Year awards, and I'm thinking, mm. you know, but you know, you didn't nurture me, so nurture you know, me. so all those things were coming in there, and I just felt like it would be easier if I wasn't in it. Mm. I just thought if I just died and got mm. out of the family, the family could breathe. Mm. I would not be a reminder of what's wrong with the family, and so, oh, what's wrong with me? You know, and so that was a lot of what my earlier suicide attempt was about. But then I, God made me write this book. Mm. It took me a long time. Mm -hmm. I cried mm -hmm. my way through it because it was looking at my family, my circumstance, and mm -hmm. myself for what it is, not what I want it to be. Oh, that's good. Not what the world imagines. Oh, the truth. But the truth. Mm. And, and what it did for me is it helped me find my voice. Um, as I would go out and promote the book, I saw so many other Doloreses. I did not know mm, mm, mm. how many Doloreses, wow. male and female, wow. young wow. and old. There is a lot of people out there. Mm. And I had this one woman that probably epitomizes what happened with us, and especially in the Black race. Okay. Um, she came up, I was speaking, I think I went in North Carolina, and she came up afterwards, and she held, she was 82 years old. Wow. And she came up and put her hands on my face. Mm. Tears running down her face. Jesus. And she says, thank you mm. for having the courage that I didn't have. Mm. She says she had been, she was 82. She had been abused at 15. And she says, I will take my secret to my grave because I don't have the courage that you have. I had 67 years of carrying in that. And she had reconciled herself that she was going to die with it Ooh. rather than, you know, create chaos. My goodness. You know, and she says her mother knew mm -hmm. and she was, she was told to never mention that. And here's the thing never mention it and still seeing the people constantly that had done it to her. Wow. Wow. And I mean, that was my situation. I mean, I mean, you know, I was a daddy's girl. I love my father. So at the same time, I knew that he was like two people. He was a strong person in the daytime and he was this man that was, you know, molesting me at nighttime. And, you know, sometimes it was hard to distinguish between the two of them because there was still a love and a trust for him. And yet when I got old enough to recognize that, what he did to me was more violating than, you know, than I understood, you know, my virginity. My dad took that, you know, I can't undo that. 
goodness. You can't wow. do that. Wow. So, mm. so it's not a pretty story, but here's yeah. the, here's the thing. Mm. Once I wrote the book, mm. Mm. God taught me how mm. he taught me strength. I didn't know I had my goodness. He taught me a voice that I did not know I had. And then he taught me a purpose that I did not know. Oh, I, had. I love it. I love it. Talk about beauty for ashes. Yes. My Truly. I mean, this is the living epistle right here. You know, it's just one thing when we read about what God can do in the word, but just listening to your testimony, I mean, the the things you describe, we can't even fathom, you know, it's just because it's so beyond logic. It just doesn't make any, it doesn't add up. Right. I mean, you've lived through it. And now we see on the other side, what is possible, especially not allowing it to destroy you, even though you were going down that path. Yeah. Oh, I mean, how do you explain it other than the grace of God? Oh, no. Let me tell you what kind of changed how I came to see my life in totality. My third suicide attempt. Third. I plotted it. I strategized. I had my kids were in North Carolina. I had two children at the time. I was remarried, second marriage in Pennsylvania. Mm. My husband went to, I, I, I kissed my husband goodbye as he went to work because I had already been strategizing for weeks now. So this was going to be the day that I put my plan motion. Mm, mm, mm. And my brother had been in the NBA now for eight years, maybe seven, okay. eight years. And so um, I didn't it just it was just never a good time to deal with my issues. But yet my issues was very present mm, to me. And wow. the thing about when my family, they get to pick and choose when they deal with me. OK, I had to get up and deal with me every single day. Mm. When I looked in that mirror, I saw me looking back mm, mm. and I didn't. And when there's an emptiness or a void, you know, it doesn't matter how much makeup you put on, don't matter what, what kind of clothes you wear, don't matter right, what kind right. of house you drive, you're right. in, doesn't matter what kind of car, doesn't matter how much, I have mm-hmm. thousands of dollars in my bank account. None of that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. helping me. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. wanted to escape. Mm-hmm. I'm traveling on private jets. I'm going to places I never imagined going to. Uh, abundance of money in the family, new opportunities by, by way of MJ. It still wasn't making me like me. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff mm-hmm. can make you like you. You know, and the not liking me was mm. the guilt. You know, what did I do to deserve that? Mm. What could I have done different? Why did daddy not think that my life mattered? Mm. Why did mom reject me? Why did she reject me and keep him? You know, all those things. And so I just plotted my death that morning. And um, my husband and I had bought this house. Um, We've been in this house four years and it had an automatic lock on it. Mm-hmm. And the front on the front door. And so if you went out the door, it automatically locked. And you know, it had my husband was contracted, so I was always arguing with him to change that lock. <laughs> you know, we would have to always prop something in the door or always remember to take our keys, even if we were just running out to the car. Mm. You know, if the door closed, it automatically locked. Okay. And so wow. if we have been arguing about that, but this particular July morning, mm. I got up, I cleaned my house because I didn't know who was going to come in after I died. And I wanted to make sure they saw a clean house. I took a shower. 
Because you hear those things, your mom said, don't ever leave your house dirty. Or, 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 and I took a shower and put on clean underwear because you don't know who's going to see your body. You don't know where you're going to end up. Or so I, it, it's funny the things that stay oh, with you. Yeah, right. Stay with you. So I did all those things. And then I, um, there was a woman named Karen Quindlin. Yeah. Karen Quindlin was a white woman who went out to party one day one weekend and she mixed booze and pills and she stayed in a coma mm -hmm. for so many years and her parents had to petition court to take her off of life support yeah. and so she was on life support for 10 years and so and once they took her she you know she died once her parents won the right to take her off she died so I thought that I would follow suit follow her and even if I didn't accomplish death I would be numb and in a coma for mm. 10 years or however long. At least I would be away from my life. Mm. That was what my, 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 my effort was. You know, and my kids, I didn't, you know, I kept feeling like they would be better without me too. You know, the whole world would be better if I wasn't in wow. it. My family could breathe, you know, easier. Every time they look over at me, I'm what's wrong. Mm. You know? mm. So I just plotted and strategized, went through my house, took all my selection of pills, every pill I could find, and then I drank a, bur a bottle of bourbon mm. straight. Mm. Mm. And wow. crawled in bed and went for death. And, you know, I, I felt myself going and spinning whatever. And it's so funny because just the foolish things of the world. Mm. 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 The phone mm. rang. <laughs> And I and you know it wasn't cell phones at that point. It was house phone, and the phone mm. rang beside the bed, and I went to answer it. Mm. it Dawn on me, it wasn't a second nature to just let the phone ring. Instinctively, <laughs> I answered it. My goodness. And a girlfriend was calling to check mm, on me, mm, mm. and I hadn't talked to her in a while, and so wow. she would tell me later that she was doing chores, and the spirit touched her to call me. Mm. That she had not had plans to call me. But anyway, she called me. In the midst of our conversation, I go out. I mm. just fade out. So she thought that I was asleep. I had fallen back to sleep. Oh. And so she hung up with the mindset that she would call me later. But when she went back mm. to her chores, her spirit, the spirit wouldn't let her finish her mm. chores. So she got on bus. She did not have a car. She got on wow. public transportation wow. and came across town to my house. She saw my car. She assumed I was there. And she rang the doorbell. Mm. But no answer. So she's trying the door. She's going from each door because she's just, she knew I would sleep. Okay. So she's trying to, you know, create enough ruckus, trying to, you know, trying to lock and whatever. And the door's not opening. So she said, well, maybe mm. my husband had come home and then 45 minutes it took her to get there. And maybe I actually left with him. So she just made a mental note to leave that she'll mm. come back later. She gets back to the bus stop and, and her spirit is troubled. This is not a woman who is um, a believer. Wow. No. Wow. So her spirit is mm. troubled mm -hmm. enough to come back Jesus. to, and that mm. automatic locked door mm. Mm -hmm. opened. Mm. Mm -hmm. Open. Of all the times we got locked out of that house, God <laughs> opened that door that time. <laughs> Yes. Mm, 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 and so she was able to find me in my bedroom, get mm, me some EMS help. They got me to the hospital, restarted my heart. I was in intensive care for a couple of days. Wow. I woke up. Here's the thing. I woke up and found myself still tired of my life. I was one bad sister. 
you know what? It's funny because I never gave God much thought before. But when I woke up mm. and found myself here, mm. I immediately got angry with God. Isn't that funny how I didn't think about considering him before? Mm. But, but I woke up to recognize that he kept me here. So I woke up angry. And I was like, why did you bring me back? I woke up and realized I was still here. And two days later, a campaign, a politician dropped dead on the campaign trail. I was ballistic mm. because I couldn't understand why God took this man who had something to live for and left me. And in my ignorance, I challenged God. Mm. If mm. you won't let me die, then you need to show me how to live because I don't know how to live this life you gave me. Show me how to live. And that was my challenge. Not Ooh, even knowing, you know, and I say, honestly, those are the words, uh, you know, out of ignorance, out of anger, whatever. If you won't let me die, then you need to show me how to live this life because I don't know how to live it. That's a powerful And I tell you know, and I write candidly about it. I also heard this little voice in the back of my head, though. It says, if you try it again, you might not get up. You won't die, but you won't get up. Mm-hmm. So I was, well, I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be um, disabled to the point where somebody had to, you know, I couldn't no longer care for myself unless I'm in a coma or something, but I didn't want to get up. And, you know, my brain not function to where I at least know how to take care of myself to the point of, you know, I felt like that was just add an added burden to, you know, my family, to my husband. Mm. So I had enough fear in that little voice to say, mm. Ben, I'm mm. Mm. And, and mm. then mm. I came to learn this. Of your own, mm. you can do nothing. Mm. Mm. You can't die if God don't let mm. you. Goodness. You can't live if God don't let you. Wow. Wow. Yes, but I started to walk this out with him, just trying to figure out what he saw in me that was worth saving that I didn't see in me. Mm -hmm. And so as I walked that path, he has shown me not only how to live, he showed me how to love living. Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, Dolores. Thank you so much for unveiling your experience. Wow, wow, wow. And I know we're down to the last of our five minutes. And I would just love for you to share what's on your heart about please don't jump. After you've gone through all of the pain, now you're standing as a voice of inspiration and hope to those that are still in that space, possibly their own type of pain. What do you say to them through the words in please don't jump? Well, it is the whole title of it is you are stronger than your situation. Please don't jump. Please don't jump. And the thing is, we don't know until we tap into God, that inner strength that he's already infused in us. Mm. You know, we tend to think that we're trying to figure out how to make our life. And God says, why would you have to do that when I already have a plan for you? It makes far more sense to tap into me and let me show you why I created you. Mm. And so that's what, you know, he kept saying to me, Dolores, I know exactly where you are. You're stronger than your situation, not what I wanted to hear. And the please don't jump is coming in and says, Back away from the edge and allow God to show you who he created you to be. Mm. He has never made jump. He has mm. never made anybody insignificant. He spoke the world into existence. Mm. But he thought you were so worth it that he came down off the throne and got his hands dirty. 
Jesus. And he infused in you, Thank you things, me. blessings, talents that you don't even know you have. Yeah. And Satan is trying to steal from you when he keeps you yeah. imprisoned in this broken place of brokenness. Yeah. He wants you to believe that yeah. this is all God has for you. Mm. And I am a standing, a walking, talking testimony mm. Mm. that mm. that is not so. God says, I know what you, plan God. I have for you. I and know. it's for your good <laughs> and not for your harm and to bring you to an expected mm. end. Mm. And can't nobody tell Come you on. that but Christ. Mm. Can't nobody, mm. everybody mm. else can tell you what they think. I have this philosophy mm. that I'm going to end on. And I say, this is truly how I operate my life. Mm. Why will I talk to a secretary when I can talk to the president? <sighs> He's right there. Mm, mm, mm. talk to him no it doesn't have to That's be good. pretty and it doesn't yeah. have to be right it doesn't have to be holier than thou i teach my daughters and i seriously teach my daughter you get in a hard place say jesus the bible says mm. at the sign of the name mm. that the come on flee. Come say, on. Je- say jesus mm, and, I, mm. actually, and that really is enough it's enough it is enough it is enough every niche of Every initial, it really is enough. He has a plan. So for you who find yourself still in this broken place, it feels like that he has forgotten you, Mm, but he's throwing you away. But change the narrative of how you see your situation. It's not about the glass being half empty. It's about the glass being half full. And he's using this situation to make you who he always purposed you to be. Mm. Now walk in that. Now walk in that. Oh, mic drop. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. How can they purchase the book? You are stronger than your situations. Please don't jump. Well, if you go, it's at Amazon and it's at um, Barnes and Noble. It's paper book um, books there. Okay. I have hardcover at my email, you know, DoloresEJordan.com. I purposely kept the hardcover so I, I can't go out because of COVID and meet so I just oh, gave them something yeah. they can only get through me. Oh. It doesn't cost any more money than the heart, the paperback, but it's just coming personally for me. And I'll yes. autograph anyone, any of them that they want me to autograph. But yeah, it's just a, a word of encouragement and strength and to remind you that, you know, God knows your name. Mm. Oh, I love that. God knows your name. We want to say thank you again, Dolores, for sharing your heart, your testimony, your life force with us uh, today. I, I can't even imagine how many are going to be impacted. Only God knows and he's able to touch and, and breathe on them the words of life that they need to hear at the very exact moment they need to hear it. And so we bless you with the blessings of God in your endeavors, your efforts, as you continue to be a herald of hope. Uh, in this dark, dark land that we live in. We are city set on a hill that cannot be healed. And we're so grateful that you chose to be brave and to use your voice. And thank you so much, Chrissy. Thank you for allowing me to um to to speak with your audience and I encourage them. Mm-hmm. I want them to be encouraged that God knows them. Oh, know I, know. I know they will be. And so, ladies and gents, we want to say thank you for tuning in again for a beautiful, beautiful show. We never know what we're going to experience, but it's always good, better than Campbell's Soup. And so we'll see you next week on the Queen Finesse Lifestyle Podcast. God bless. God bless.
thank you for listening to the Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast with image confidence expert, Christy Kennedy. May you find the strength to stand and the courage to conquer insurmountable obstacles. Visit us online at www.queenfidence.com. What is life without sparkle? You were created to shine. It's time to do what diamonds do. Wellness is wealth and life is limitless.